episode of Stick a Fork in It. That's right. Um, you know, nervously, kind of a little worried. Uh, we're heading into hurricane season again, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. we just, you know, want all of our listeners and viewers to know we got this. Yeah, that's right. We got this. Uh, we keep pivoting to be better about it. And we take care of people. And the person that we're talking today is Robin Safely from Feeding Florida. Yeah. Uh, she is the maestro of our state, making sure that we have all that we need during those gray skies of threatening mm-hmm. events or disasters. And also in blue skies when inflation is really at causing folks that never imagined themselves seeking out help or having mm-hmm. to because food mm-hmm. is the most important, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's self-described as a, an air traffic controller, you know, moving the resources where they need to go. And it's um, pretty phenomenal. I think something people aren't aware of is how this network of, you know, food banks and food resources, food relief really connects hardcore during times of, you know, uh, disaster right. relief. And um yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible to see it all work like a ballet across the whole country and the whole state and all of that. <laughs> right. And the, the mm-hmm. knowledge is knowing that we've got this, we've got you. And Robin is one of our returning experts. Uh, you'll see her again. Um, she's just phenomenal um, at her work and what she does. And like all of us, super passionate about making food is on the table. So listen and enjoy Robin. And also at the end, there's a little bit about advocacy and possibly how you can help make sure folks have food on their tables um, through Tallahassee. She's got a lot of fingers in the pots up there in Tallahassee. So enjoy Miss Robinson. Robin, so excited to have you back on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I mean, everything's been, you know, it's always busy, you know, um, our life doesn't stop. So, you know, we take care of people during blue skies and gray skies. So it's year round. Right. And, you know, we're talking to you today because, you know, we want folks to have the confidence to know that uh, Feeding Tampa Bay and our network, that this is something that we do. This is something we prepare for. Um, And I thought they would love to hear from you um, because you organize all of us from a state level and help back us up that no matter where uh, a disaster strikes right now, we're in hurricane season. Of course, that's what we're talking about. But no matter where that strikes, we've got a plan in place. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I like to think of myself as an air traffic controller, right? Um, There is no doubt that the the nine food banks that make up our network and Feeding Tampa Bay is a, a strong, strong member of that actually are on the ground doing the really hard work, the really hard lift. You know, my goal is to keep the the um, assets flowing, make sure that we're tethered to our great partners at the state level, the division emergency management. Um, and so, yeah, we are always, this is not a, um, I can guarantee the public that this is not something that we just start thinking of June 1st. Um, we are very active in this year round, anticipating it, making sure our inventories that are appropriate for distribution during a hurricane are there even pre landfall. But again, you know, a disaster can strike. You know, we had an issue in Broward where they had that just once in a hundred year flooding where that storm just stayed over mm-hmm. for Mardale. And it was just a two day period, but they had extreme flooding. And so we moved MREs and water, you know, at the direction of the state into that zone too. So again, we are, you know, yes, June one is hurricane season, but you know, things happen throughout the year that are those true catastrophes and we're there for them. Right. 
right, in different regions, right, and you think about the flooding, well, power was out, and if power's out, you're losing all of your supplies, mostly, right. all of your frozen, all of your, so it's really something that as, or, as food banks um, in that Florida umbrella and network, um, we rally no matter what that is. It could be tornado, flooding, mm-hmm. hurricane, so we're always disaster ready around here. Yeah. And you know, the other great thing is we are always working with the state and our network to pay attention to our neighboring states, right? Just because we may have gotten missed by a hurricane doesn't mean Louisiana or Mississippi doesn't catch that or Texas. So we're immediately even paying attention to that. And if there's anything that the state has that they want to help you know, contribute, we often do that in partnership so that we're paying attention to to not just our ourselves, but and then they they reciprocate that, right? So when we're in need, they get on calls with us and say, "What can we do for you?" So absolutely, it's really, um, you know, it, it's a network, but it's like a sisterhood, right? We've got each other's backs. I've been with a food bank now um, for six years, and we've had a a few states uh, be impacted by storms, and I know we've sent supplies, and you know, we just really pivot and help them even with our teams. Yeah. So I think that what's really unique about our network, right, is that we do have that affiliation with Feeding America at the national level. So we have this, you know, another 191 food banks that are scattered throughout the country, in addition to Feeding America at the helm, um, with all of their great partnerships. And so and, and when you and I get into sort of the mechanics of how we operate, I'll share with you how we get them involved pretty early. Um, so that they are scouring also additional food that can come in on the backside of MREs and water, right? There's mm-hmm. there's stages during a response to a storm. Um, and so there's different food that is appropriate at different times based on the recovery efforts. And so you always have to be paying attention to that. Right. And it's, it's we call it kind of like the three tiers of, of response, right? You start with MREs and water because, of course, power is out. We just want to make sure something's in someone's hands. Then there's that shelf-stable food, because in case they still don't have power, but they have quality, nutritious food that's easy to eat. And then, of course, that third is really restocking that pantry, making sure that healthy, fresh food, in addition to shelf-stable, is made available, right? That's kind of what we do throughout. Um, You know, it's perfect timing. So for you to go ahead and go into that, it's like we know a storm is coming. We've got the warning. Explain the process once that has been put into play. Awesome. Well, let me, first of all, we have an MOU with the state, the Division of Emergency Management, and Kevin Guthrie and his team are just, you know, so professional and so great. We just love them as a partner. And as we um, came to the table, because really the food banks had not been utilized um, historically as a part of the response. Um, And so you had also Florida went about 13 years without a landfall. Um, So in 2016 was the first time we had had a landfall in a while. And that was Hermine that was a cat one that came right into Tallahassee, that area. So it was a good warning sign, right? I mean, a cat one is not bad, but Tallahassee has a lot of trees, so it can wreak havoc. Um, So we started really, you know, the, the, Division said, "Well, what, what, should, what can we do? You know, now ESF six is who we work with, which is um, emergency service function six. It's the way they're organized, and that's mass feeding. So we're on calls with the Red Cross, Salvation Army, Florida Baptist, etc. So what's interesting is I go, well, this is what we do every day, all day. These are the assets that we have that we already have in hand, which are trucks 
and warehousing and forklifts and drivers and volunteers, you know, just this. And, and so we just started responding with that. And then over time, I said, you know, if y'all want, why don't you let us hold some of your MREs and water? We'll do it at no charge because I think that's the right thing to do, right? right. This is a partnership. They're going to let me have an asset and I'm going to hold it for, for no charge. And that way we can be very flexible, amenable, and, and, and kind of stage things before the storm hits, before they start deploying the, the big assets, you know, the generators, and it's a big deal. And so they ultimately were like, okay, this is a good idea. Um, and so we do that now. It also helps them with um, inventory management, right? So a state is pre-buying MREs and water to have it staged and available, but it ages out. So we are constantly letting them know when food is about to age out. And so we have a, an agreement with them that if it is going to age out within the next month or two, um, that we can slowly start releasing it to maybe homeless shelters and other appropriate things. That way it's a win-win and no asset ever goes bad. Right. Um, um, and then we get replenished, et cetera. So it's, it's just a, a win-win on a lot of fronts. So what we do is we get activated, you know, the state has, you know, has a, it's like a seven day, depending on where that storm is, we get activated and the state starts having calls every day at 10 o'clock for ESF six they do an all call, which is listen only for some of us, which should be where they they are going through every county EOC reporting out. What do you see your needs are going to be? How are things down there? Just in that prep rhythm. And then they have another call at 515 with all the counties to wrap up that day. So what we do immediately is we start having a call at nine o'clock with our nine food bank members. I also invite Feeding America to be a part of that call because it's it's. You know, communication in a crisis is the most important thing. And so instead of playing like a phone tree where I have to go interpret a meeting, I just bring everybody at the same table. Um, and then at some point, we even have FEMA as part of our call at nine o'clock. So what we're doing is I'm going around the room, um, the virtual room, and I want them telling me, you know, have you checked with your agencies or the agencies, your bigger agencies, your pantries, do, are they stocked with food? Um, what are you seeing your inventory looks like? How is your MREs, which we keep on a quarterly basis anyway, we kind of know the status of that at the state level. Um, what are you thinking that your needs might be? And so we we do that with all of the food banks, which also then puts um, Feeding America on notice of where our gaps might be. So right. that then sends them to start looking for maybe that pop top, you know, uh, sort of handheld snacks, granola bars, you know, insure things that we, and we need to look at all the populations we serve, right? Um, the elderly, the children, you know, lots of little pockets of things. Um, and so then we go into that. And once the storm has made landfall, there's just this, a little quiet for a moment from everybody, right? And then it passes and then you're assessing um, immediately going back through what what was the damage on the agencies? What what part of your network is still operational? Did you get any flooding, et cetera? And, and each storm has its own life and its own pattern. There's just hasn't been one that's been the same. You know, Hermine, which hit in 2017, kind of come up the came up the entire state. And so once those winds start hitting, you can't deliver anything into it because a semi can't handle those winds. 
um, empty. Um, so you're just really trying to, it's like creating a puzzle and you just have to stay flexible, which is why I think our network is, is so um, important. You know, we are, if it's hitting, like we'll take Ian, which is the most recent, right? Well, if, if everybody knows the first cone was in the panhandle and then slowly, you know, just over the next four days, it moved south. So we were just jockeying to see where those assets needed to be. It became pretty clear that, you know, Miami was going to be out of it. So we staged a lot there. We pivoted a lot in Orlando that can move quickly. We didn't want to store a lot in, you know, Fort Myers, which is Harry Chapin. Obviously, they became ground center. Then you have All Face, which is right south of y'all in Sarasota. And then, of course, feeding Tampa Bay. But that panhandle up here, um, like Big Bend could store a lot. We knew they were going to be out of it. And then we also use our other food banks to hold prop property just to be staged into that area. So once it hits and we as, we understand sort of the, the depth of it, immediately we start identifying what the food bank that is at ground zero or the fringe ones need. Um, and then the food banks that are not at ground zero and are sort of operational as normal become that support crew, whether it's sending over personnel, sending over trucks and drivers. Um, and so we just go into that type of assessment. And it it is just phenomenal to see how we've grown over time too about that just natural ability to lean in. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's only gotten more perfected um, as far as what our network can do for each other too. That is something that had not um, happened historically, you know, and not that they didn't, it just, we didn't have, we weren't active in this, but we really came to the conclusion that Feeding America definitely gets activated and starts sending people if it's an, a long storm. It, people can get tired, right? Your personnel, you know, it's, it's an exhausting, grueling sprint. Um, and so, but we realized it takes them a little bit, maybe two to three weeks to, to, you know, send somebody from Michigan to help with a warehousing management, right? Just because they have to wrap up their job, they have to prepare and they also have to find housing, right? right? So that's right. always a challenge. There's all these perimeter challenges. So we figured that we need to be that first response within ourselves if we have that capability, meaning not... In Irma, everybody was in it, right? Except right. Um, the panhandle. Um, so they really helped in that situation. During Michael, it was only the panhandle that was affected. So all the other food banks became engines um, to support Michael. You know, one of the things that we have identified is that, and it's a, it's not a problem for us. It's you know challenging for FEMA, challenging for all of the state agencies that have to go on the ground is finding those hotels, right? Um, because mm -hmm. when a situation is damaged, it's damaged. Um, so we're trying to think creatively if there's something we could purchase um, that would be used, you know, 365 days a year and converted during a storm. You know, we definitely have mobile units, but, you know, we definitely, one of our food banks has an RV. We deployed that immediately down to Fort Myers and put some um, staffing who had lost their home um, in that RV. So, you know, we are always thinking about that next thing that we could do that would be not just an asset that would sit, but how can we utilize it throughout the year and then deploy it when we needed it for housing. So. I'm wondering if did, you know, cause it was, it's been a change of, of thought process organization really has become 
um, especially we saw it with Ian, just so fine-tuned that we respond so quickly um, for our sister food banks and those that are in the care of that region. Was Irma an actual catalyst for all this change because it was so widespread? You know, for instance, feeding Tampa Bay, I know now because of Irma and the changes that came about that and how, like you mentioned, could work with our state partners to respond and be prepared. We we are now on the EOC of of a number of our counties and things like that. So we're like boots on the ground. But I think Irma for feeding Tampa Bay, that was the catalyst for like, we definitely know what we're doing and we can do this better working together. Yeah. So remember, Florida went 13 years without a storm, right? 0405 was a busy, busy year. And then we went sort of dormant. So 2016 was when we first got to the table and we had um, Hermine. And then, yes, Irma was absolutely put pressure on the system because, I mean, what, 62 out of 67 counties or 60 out of 67 counties were deemed declared. So that on the other side of that, the board got together, which all nine members um, sit on my board, and we hired a consultant, North Highlands, um, to come in and assess how we did, what we should be looking at, what what could be done better, because we're we're very committed to to refining the process, um, and that really did generate a lot of that. Some of the changes you see underneath, which is us sharing our resources if you haven't been damaged, but also identifying during blue skies, those agencies that can become super agencies, right? We as food banks, a lot of people don't realize this, but we work with probably each of you, you know, everybody has about 2,500 nonprofit agencies on the ground. Now they range from a church pantry to a a larger pantry that has more um, facilities or capabilities. So we immediately on this other side of Irma was, okay, let's identify our strike zones, you know, like those agencies that we can invest in, harden them, maybe get a generator for them, put some refrigeration, more capabilities so that they can be our go-to, you know, sort of spoken wheel model um, type, um, you know, approach. And so that, that I think has paid off greatly. Um, And I think the state really understood at that time we had actually, um, the state usually doesn't start getting MREs out because until de- a, a storm has landed, right? It's been declared. So what we did was they said, Robin, we don't have trucks right now. And I said, well, why don't you, I have trucks. Can I go into the, there's a main warehouse right now in Orlando where they hold a, a lot of their things. They're they're in the process of diversifying their assets as well. Um but we we went in and just went ahead and pulled like um, seven tractor trailers of MREs out, which actually ended up kind of saving the day because no one realized Irma was going to take over the entire peninsula. So we already had some stuff pre-staged um, and it was prepared. So I think, again, we're we're learning and refining, but I don't think you should ever stay stagnant, right? right. I think we new- always, yes. Yeah. Which is why I love being a part of this. It's yes. always, always reflecting, you're always looking at the data, how can we pivot and be better? There's no perfection. There's just continuing to be better. And that's the exciting thing for me about being part of the network. Yeah. And an exciting thing that we did this year with the state, and again, I think this goes to the quality of our network and the uh, relationship and the trust that the Division of Emergency Management has in us. Um, so oftentimes, the, that some point in a, in a storm, 
the state will purchase what we call food boxes. And that is they can come in 15 pounds or 30 pounds. We have found that the 15 pound boxes are better because a lot of times people have to carry them and you want to make sure that it's not too much of a struggle. But this box will contain ready to eat food that does not require electricity. I think Shannon, you referred to it a little bit ago. It's that step above an MRE um, in water. Now you have to remember, you know, again, we have lots of partners in this. And so you have um, Operation Barbecue, you have the Red Cross, you have Salvation Army, you have um, World Kitchen that usually comes in and is offering hot meals. So we, you know, that is, we, we support them if, if the Red Cross is doing a, you know, a shelter and they need some, some food, we'll get, we'll take shelf stable food over to them. But we, for the most part, let them handle the, the hot food. But I think everybody's figured out that, especially on the other side, people want to be at their house. They want to clean up the mess. They want to be there. So these boxes allow them not to have to find food on a daily basis. Right. There is no doubt that hot food plays a huge role um, immediately after MREs and water are probably still flowing. Um, but, you know, there's a moral issue. It's it's a warm meal. It can anchor you. So it, it plays a vital role. However, we are we are realizing that a lot of times people need that sort of a box where they can eat for two or three days. Um, instead of having to hunt for food you know, on a daily basis, on a regular basis. So what we did was um, I actually approached the state and I said, look, you know, through our charitable network, um, we have the capability of purchasing this food and making these boxes and building them. Up in Tennessee, one of the food banks has an entire initiative called Project Preserve. And I said, I would love the opportunity. We can amend our MOU for us to be allowed to purchase those at at your request, right? I'd have to give you a proposal, et cetera. But I think as a not-for-profit, I could be competitive. Um, and so Dern, on the other side of Ian, they pulled the trigger and had us purchase 60 tractor trailers of food boxes. So there are, you know, like about 3,000 food boxes on every trailer. Um, so anyway, that was just an incredible, it went incredibly smooth, um, and so that, you know, we're, we continue to refine that relationship that we have with the division, um, always just wanting to be that partner to help reduce the cost of the, um, you know, the response to you know, make sure that we're using taxpayers dollars as, as efficient as possible. Um, so we were happy that they saw that we could provide that service um, at a, at a, at a good quality offering as well as a, a, a fair price. So. Yeah, and those food boxes, um, over the years, I've seen a lot more care has been gone into the variety food, the healthy food. If you can think of peanut butter, crackers, canned tuna, canned chicken, um, vegetables that you don't need to heat. It's really a nice variety uh, that can keep people going. And then, you know, reflecting on that hot meal, when you know, Ian is the, the most recent experience that we have when World Kitchen came in, um, the relief you know, that moment of peace that you can sit down and enjoy a warm meal with people that you're communicating with, you're all going through it. Um, and it kind of reinvigorates you to, to what's next, right? So, you know, mentioning Ian, tell us a little bit, because, you know, it was coming down on Tampa until just hours before and it started, you know, and then we all had to pivot um, to help our neighbors. But you know, our sister food bank was hit really, really hard. Tell, tell our uh, listeners and viewers about 
you know, our response to that. Yeah. You were so, a big part of it. Yeah. Harry Chapin Food Bank is the food bank there and they have their main um, warehouse, if you will, right in Fort Myers. They have another small footprint in Naples, which is Collier County. Um, they actually, their roof got damaged. So they had water coming in, but it wasn't, it in no way affected um, their inventory. Right. So that was good. Um, they, we put up a, they put up a shield um, to segregate that part of the, of the, the warehouse off, but we immediately knew that they were going to meet, need additional space. Um, so this is what's just really fun. So, you know, they're in it. Um, and they're assessing their staffing again, you know, you've got to think it's not just your agency network, but some of your, your people who work for you, they're, they're damaged, their, their homes right. are damaged. So while they're kind of assessing that, you know, we were brainstorming, how can we find additional warehousing space that wasn't damaged? What, you know, is in a, a, a closer area, but we are brainstorming, like we have feeding South Florida, which is right in Pembroke Pines, right across the state from y'all. I mean, they started immediately bringing dedicated one driver or two drivers with two 53 footers, was this a semi truck? And they were bringing over food every day and going back. Right. Right. We so that it could get distributed. And so, and Feeding Tampa Bay was doing the same thing. Feeding Tampa Bay also loaned, um, you know, other staff, like, right, agency um, relations, trying to get those pantries back open, trying to find new outlets to distribute food, right, while while, you're, while your other agencies are getting back operational. Um, we ultimately, with one of our growers, as you know, we have, our network has a very, very strong relation with Florida Ag. Um, a, a, you know, in Blue Skies, a approximately 45% of all of our food that we distribute is fresh fruits and vegetables. And we're proud of that because we know that the clients we serve really need that healthy food. Um, so one of um, the big growers down there who has a great relationship with Harry Chapin Lippman Produce had a warehouse and they said, absolutely come in. Um, and, and we took over, you know, Harry Chapin took over that warehouse um, we ultimately then had to transition that in early November because they were going to get back up into their growing season. So there is a state farmer's market down there that actually had capacity. So we reached out to the commissioner of agriculture and said, can we rent some of this um, farm, you know, the state farmer's market? And in, and it was short timing, like this had to be done in, in two days. Um, and they absolutely went and looked at it. They absolutely leased it to us. And we are now still operational down there because as you can imagine, recovery um, is, is really an extended um, time frame. So, you know, th these are the types of ways that we just, through our connectivity, through our capabilities, while they were focused, the entire system was, you know, triaging and, and trying to figure out um, I actually, one of the, uh, you know, a, a roofer who's a dear friend of mine in Tallahassee, um, they couldn't find anybody to help fix their warehouse roof. And it was kind of urgent, right? Um, he said, absolutely. He went down there, sent a crew down there, assessed it and had everything they needed for a commercial building and repaired it in pretty short order. So, I mean, and that's why, you know, everybody pulls out their Rolodex and says, okay, what do I got? Because Brown Center just pulls on those resources so much, you'd really have to get somebody from outside um, to come in. Because right. everybody needs a roof, right, in Fort Myers. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And it, it's another thing pulling, you know, outside coming in, we had Houston, you know, you talk about that Fano, um, gosh, it was exciting when those trucks pulled up to feeding Tampa yeah. Bay and, you know, it, our, um, it's emotional, isn't it? Brothers come and we're all excited. Everybody's hugging because, you know, it's, you know, anyone who works, um, in this part of the nonprofit industry, it's like a heart and soul. It's like when uh, I've just seen it when uh, disaster strikes, um, we're just, it's a nonstop, you know, nobody has really a day off. Folks are driving from Texas to help us out. You know, we just want to make sure everyone is um, good and taken care of and can count on us um, and know that. Yeah. And you know, it's, what's also, we have really strong relationships with the department of health, um, the Florida department of children and families, so what's really wonderful is they, and I think that really got even more synced up where they understood how we could partner with them during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you'll recall, I mean, uh, Feeding Tampa Bay ultimately started, they were doing all of their mass distributions, right? Um, and so the Department of Health came alongside and offered vaccinations. Yes. You know, so it's, it's this, how do we help that client in more of a one-stop shop by bonding together. So one of a, an innovative thing that came out of the Department of Children and Family, they started putting up these um, family family resource centers mm -hmm. and they would they would just stage them occasionally. You know, it wasn't like every Monday, but we're going to be in Fort Myers for these three days. And they knew that those people were going to come and they're looking for other services, you know, housing, you know, um, all sorts of uh, maybe small business loans, whatever that is. Um, and so they go, Robin, can, can we partner with y'all to get food there so that when that family came to get the other services, they could walk away right. with those food boxes. And we, I, I mean, I just, I get emotional. I get so proud of, of what y'all do on the ground because they had to pivot in short order. It wasn't like we had, you know, a month to plan that. Um, and immediately we got those food boxes to all of those pop-up, um, family resource centers. I'll tell you an emotional story. There was a, a woman that got through to me somehow, maybe on the 1-800 number. Um, and uh, I answered it and I was, had her, and she said, I'm, I'm not in Fort Myers. She was more into Polk County, which a lot of people forget there was damage inside the interior to the state. And we had a lot of flooding going on. Um, and the winds, obviously Fort Myers in that area took the brunt of it, but it can go inland. Right. Um, and so, and she said, we had a, a they had a window blow out, she, but she kept, she was so humble. She kept saying, I know I'm not as, you know, everybody else has had it harder hit, but her husband had um, issues on what he could eat. He had some health problems. She said, we haven't eaten in three days. Wow. And this was like at three, maybe four o'clock, right? So I immediately, I, I get her number and I get her address and I get her name and I call Feeding Tampa Bay because Polk County, that Sebring area is your area. And within 30 minutes, they had used their own dollars and ordered a hot meal from a restaurant and they mm -hmm. used Uber Eats or Hubgrub, whatever, and they right. had it sent to her. And then the pastor from one of our agencies down there then within an hour so we stopgapped it with some food within an hour had gone to walmart 
had purchased all the types of foods they need and had delivered it. She, she called me back. I get chills even thinking about it. It was just because I don't get to be that close in many instances, being this air traffic controller, but I couldn't have been more proud of our network and the heart that they have. And then the, the just a woman that knows that people care. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I think they stay connected with her. You know, she, she was just, uh, she, she was speechless. She just couldn't, didn't realize that the world had that much love in it. And yeah. so that's just an example. I mean, that happens every day. 365 for our network, but that was just a special moment for me. And I, I again, the innovation that our, we just don't see obstacles, you know, being yeah. the Bay wasn't going, well, I don't have a truck running down there today. Um, they, no. they just took money out of the budget and bought the food. Yeah. We would, somebody would have driven it to her if we could, you know, we <laughs> yeah. were, I know Eb, um, you know, is Eb and I are both boots on the ground. A lot of times, um, you know, I think we were in our, uh, lower counties, um, was Barco? it Polk Highlands? It was Polk Highlands um, that was hit by by Irma, mm -hmm. not Irma, Ian. Sorry, Ian. Yeah. Um, but we were boots on the ground there, and so much flooding and loss of power, and you know, it's just everyone, every human being should mm -hmm. have the opportunity for help and to have someone step in and care for them, and it's just such. So proud to be able to do that and work tirelessly to make sure that folks that are struggling, you know, because you'd want someone to do that for you, yeah. you know, and, and just caring about someone um, in their time of need helps get them through, you know, and I'm so glad that you shared that story. We, um, you know, Ev is part of our content team. It's his job just to share those stories that kind of, you know, hit our work, but um, it's just an honor and a privilege to serve. Yeah. You know, and we say gray skies and blue, you know, hopefully we'll have mostly blue skies and, and we'll be won't have anything too threatening. But we just want everyone, you know, throughout our state um, to be prepared and know that somebody's there for them. you know, all the way from the state level to the regions. And then, you know, throughout our country, like Houston, we've got each other um, yeah. and they don't need to worry about that. So thank you for updating yeah. us on all of that. And kind of how that works uh, so people could understand we got them. Wanted to touch base really quick because you're in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. uh, you do represent our state. What else has got you busy as we lean into hurricane season? We're all doing a number of things at the same time as we prepare. What are you up to? Well, there's a lot of things. So we just came off of a legislative session, right, um, that started in uh, March and ended in May. Um, so we were looking for funding to support our network, um, our Farmers Feeding Florida program. We had a wonderful year. Um, we appreciate their support. Um, and also, you know, the governor, um, he has not gotten the budget yet. So we're all waiting for that. Um, I'm confident, yeah, that he, I, there's no doubt in my mind, especially with my work with one of his agencies, which is the Department of Children and Family, that he absolutely understands um, the need to triage families, make sure that they are stabilized so that they can then thrive. Yes. Um, we know that a child who is hungry can't read, you know, has a harder time reading. We understand even adults who are trying to retool themselves with all the other struggles that they may have going on. If we can take that, no pun intended, but off their plate and yep. make sure that they have nutritious food is important. So we've, we've just come off of that. But obviously at the federal level, a lot of the programs um, that we care about um, are about to be reauthorized in the farm bill. Um, so that is a piece of legislation. It's really made up of about 12 
um, independent chapters, um, but it is uh, it's reauthorized every five years. And so it's coming up for reauthorization. So we're working and meeting with congressional leaders to ensure that they understand the important factors that play out. So the Farm Bill, in, in addition to handling a lot of um, agricultural issues, it is the, the authorization for SNAP, which is welfare, you know, that, um, and so we know that that is vital to the clients that we serve um, and that it is the, the largest mitigator of hunger in our country. And that if that was somehow not fully funded or tinkered with, the charitable network just doesn't have the capability of picking up that slack. I think it's for whatever, what, you know, we do really well, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, for every meal we serve, SNAP represents nine meals. So, it, you know, so we really want to protect and preserve SNAP. The, the other program that is really important to the charitable network that is authorized in the Farm Bill is also TFAP, which is Temporary Emergency Food um, Assistance. And it's been around for a long time. It's a commodity program, meaning the federal government goes out into the world, purchases it. So it comes to the charitable network palletized. It's a great diversity of product. Um, by no means is it the entire portfolio, but it is a anchor tenant. And it is solid food that really allows us to add value to that also with the other um, product that we get, you know, donated from our retail partners, et cetera. Um, and then there's um, CFFP, which is a senior feeding program, um, which is a, um, a program that uh, went, once you, ought, you know, you deem a, a senior eligible financially, because it is a um, entitled program, meaning you have to have some financial conditions. They then receive this food box every month for a year. Um, so there's some nuances in that that we'd like to see done. We'd obviously like to see Florida get additional money for that program. Florida actually came to that program kind of late, um, had never applied for it. When I worked for the Department of Ag, we applied for it and were awarded it. Um, but we're we're nowhere near what some of the other states have as far as allocation. So we want to encourage that um, our congressional delegation support that, as well as maybe not requiring that we reauthorize a senior every year. Um, chances of a senior, um, you know, bouncing back from right. poverty in, in their 80s is is a long shot. So we really want to take the burden off of that. Um, and then there's a program that we operate. Um, which is the fresh access bucks. We have a grant from the federal government here at the state level, and um, it is funded in the farm bill. And that is where individuals on SNAP can go to a vendor that is, is participating with us. And right now we're in 70 farmers markets and 11 retail outlets, but really on the margin for the retail outlets. We were looking for those sort of food desert areas where there's marginalized opportunities for sort of a robust offering. But a SNAP recipient can go in, deploy their SNAP benefit, and then they get up to $40 matching to buy fruits and vegetables. Um, we have some, you know, the the this is actually usually a, a very nonpartisan conversation because the evidence is, is so great behind it that when given that sort of incentive, really individuals do eat healthier. Uh, and again, we know um, that that is that front line of chronic disease and, and stabilizing that family unit. So so those are the issues that, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about. Um, obviously, you know, we 
work requirements on SNAP is, is a bit of a challenge. And you saw with the debt ceiling um, that those work requirements were extended um, from beyond for it, well, it was 18 to 49, and now it's gone up to 54. The the blessing, I'm always the eternal optimist trying to figure out what good comes out of it. They did exempt homeless and veterans and some other categories. So we're very excited that the most vulnerable um, population that we serve did escape um, those work requirements. Again, you know, we as a network, though, are really building up our capabilities of offering job training. And I know Feeding Tampa Bay does a really good job at that. And so I think that help, you know, by us helping create that on-ramp um, will also help that population that we serve who might be under some of those work requirements because it just says that you need to be seeking work or volunteering. So going to class would actually meet that so they could you know, get their, their SNAP while they're doing that. So I, I commend what our network is doing. I think um, five of the nine now offer pretty robust job training programs that are very, very successful. Yeah, um, we we yeah. have so many from our Fresh Force. Uh, it, ours is called Fresh Force. Yes. And um, we're getting ready to start a new cohort um, and really excited about that. But, you know, we train, but we also help place. And, you know, some of those folks are even, we probably what, have maybe have 10 um, yeah. of those trainees that are now driving trucks and working with agency relations and running our volunteer programs. And, you know, these are folks that had barriers to employment. Or didn't think that opportunity would come to them again. And we've given them that opportunity to be super, super proud about their work and what they do. And in addition to the partners that we place them with. So um, that is really good to know that, uh, you know, the majority of our Florida um, partners, I mean, our Florida um, food banks are doing the same work as we are. Um, Is there any way that a listener or viewer, you know, you talk about the farm bill, you know, and in that five year period of time, I think it's, Nothing has hit us as hard in history as what has happened in our past five years and the changes that are needed. Is there anything that our viewer or listener can do to help support um, the effort and changes needed? Well, obviously, you know, reaching out to your your the Florida delegation, your congressman, your senator in your backyard, because this is a federal um, you know, reauthorization. Um is, is really important. Uh, that That is probably the best thing you can do. And I think just an understanding, I think over time we, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that some things get polarized, but, you know, we as a nation have always been that moral compass of taking care of each other. Um, and SNAP has been around, you know, for, you know, 60, I mean, I think it, you know, got created in the early 1940s on after the Great um, Depression. And just understanding that it, it has been supported on both sides of the aisle. I mean, we have that integrity to say we must take care of those who are less fortunate than us. I Do we also, I mean, we all know that it's not enough just to feed somebody. We want to help them stabilize and get on their way so they can become self-sufficient. But when you're under duress, with something that is something you can't negotiate, like you can decide to live in a tent, but you can't decide not to eat. Right. Um, you you know, these are basic things. I think if we understand that it's a tool to then stabilize that family unit, knowing that they need other things, which is what I'm so proud of our food banks doing too. You know, we don't think of that as a, we're just distributing food. We are, we're using food as a convener to then understand what that family needs and whether we have the resource or we have partners that have the resource, we bring that to the table. So I think I would just really say to our listeners that, you know, 
food is something that just really we shouldn't argue about. It's it's a core basic need that then if it is not there, it aggravates all the other issues that we struggle with, whether it be mental health or, you know, anger management. I mean, so, I mean, physical health, job things. stability, uh, you know, just like yes. children can't, they need the food to learn, you know, as adults, we need the healthy nutrition to be able to succeed. You know, yes. it's kind of the basic for ev- everything. And we should all, you know, what uh, the stigma around, you know, asking for help and services, we're seeing so many because of inflation, so many are needing our help um, through that SNAP, WIC, you know, all of those different programs. And then of course the food banks that back that up as well, it's unprecedented how many people need our help uh, because of everything that we're going through. And it's to, um, you know, be able to access that without shame, you know, there's no shame in needing healthy food to be better. And that's really what that's about. Yep. And then, you know, the other thing is, is why we didn't even tap on you. Obviously we've begun implementing the network has, um, department or SNAP education, nutrition education, which yeah. I think is just a an wonderful rounding out of what we do um, for the, you know, the neighbors that we serve. You're not only giving them that fresh food, but also giving them that encouragement and that knowledge about how to cook it and those types of things is wonderful. Yeah, we have a really exciting department. So many amazing people that cover our counties to make sure no one is left behind. You know, mm-hmm. that whole you know, making sure that food and, and the education about it is in the pathway of folks' lives, that they can access it easier um, and just make sure they're healthy, healthy and well. Um, Robin, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. It's your second time. You know I'm going to ask you to come back when something else comes up. We just adore you and all the hard work you do in Tallahassee and for all of us. Well, thank you. It's my ple- my pleasure and my privilege to do that. And it's always lovely being with you too. And thank you for what you do on the ground. I really do appreciate it. We're in it together. We got this. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Robin. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay.